Hey, before I get started, <clears throat> I just want to brag a little bit on what God's doing, what you're involved in. Uh, two weeks ago in Ground Zero, Kurt and Megan and the team had a block party. Uh, we did Power Kids. We had 200 kids and teenagers that week, uh, kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, last night, we did Ground Zero and Power Kids, and I don't have the numbers. I had 99 in Power Kids, and I don't know how many they had in Ground Zero. Uh, I was in here at the end of the service, and it was, it was packed full of kids. And uh, God has really been moving in Ground Zero. God has really been moving in Power Kids. Uh, we've had eight teenagers receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, the kids are getting ministered to every single week. Uh, and it's just been absolutely incredible. We have two more weeks in Ground Zero and two more weeks in Power Kids. Then we're going to take our summer break, and uh, we've got some things that we're already planning and that we're working on for the fall to get ready. But I just want y'all to know how much God is moving and everything God's doing. Uh, we had an incredible Mother's Day weekend. Uh, if you didn't hear the message, I, I'm thinking maybe everybody in here did, but man, the Mother's Day message was incredible. Listen, I've been in ministry over 40 years, 40 years. And I've never heard a Mother's Day message like that. I'm just being honest. Uh, Kurt did a great job. And uh, man, if you if you haven't heard it, you need to get online and listen to it. Those of you that are watching online, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad you're here to be a part of what we're doing. And if you uh, didn't catch the Mother's Day service, uh, listen, it's not just for mothers. I know you guys are thinking, hey, I don't need to listen to the Mother's Day message. Well, it was way more than just for mothers. So you ought to get on and listen to it. I'm telling you, uh, you won't be sorry. I talked to a pastor in Odessa this week uh, who listened to it, and he messaged me and said it was, it was so good and that he was ministered to by it. So it, it was amazing, and I just wanted to stir you all up that, in that. Let me pray for you, and then let's jump into what I have tonight. Father God, thank you that we get to be in your house Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, I'm so thankful for my church family, for the body of Christ. And Father God, I love you, and I'm grateful it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to go tonight to one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the New Testament. And it's also one of my favorite books in the New Testament. And it's the book, The Gospel of John. Now, if you haven't read your Bible in a while, or you are maybe finishing maybe where you've been reading, and you're looking for something new to read, I would love to encourage you to read the book of John. Uh, if you haven't read the Gospels, I would encourage you, of course, to read all the Gospels, but I would encourage you to start with the book of John. The book of John is incredible. The book of John will minister to you. It'll speak to you. It'll reveal Jesus to you. I was thinking how we're about halfway through May, and of course, we're going to move into the summer, and the book of John would be a great book to read through the summer. Uh, there's less, I think there's 21, 22 chapters, uh, and it would be great to read it through the month of June and maybe even into July and August. But I just want to encourage you, uh, you'll be ministered to by the book of John. Tonight, we're going to go to John 14. I love John 14. Jesus has just been talking to the disciples. He's been talking to Peter. And, you know, Peter tells him, hey, Lord, uh, I'll never deny you. Uh, I, you know, I'll die for you. And then he tells him, no. He says, uh, you know, you, you'll betray me. And uh, before the, the, the rooster crows three times. Then John 14 begins. 
So I'm going to start reading to you in John 14, verse 1. Listen to what this says. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can I know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, let's go back to verse 1, and let me take just a few moments tonight and unpack some truth in these verses that I believe will minister to you and will strengthen you and encourage you. I love the very first line. This says, let not your heart be troubled. I love that. Let not your heart be troubled. Listen, if we've ever lived through a season or a time both in our country and in the world, and then in your life personally, if there's ever been a time that we could be troubled, it's right now. Amen? Now, I don't know what's going on in your personal life, but I know what's going on in our country. I know what's going on in the world. I know all the things that are happening, and we have a real opportunity to be troubled. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, let me explain to you what the word troubled means. In the original Greek, it's the word royal, not R-O-Y-A-L, but R-O-I-L, R-O-I-L, and it's pronounced royal. Here's what it means. It means to trouble water until the sediment rises and makes the water cloudy. Yeah, imagine like at a lake and there's a windy day and as the wind blows and there's white caps and the water is moving, it stirs up the sediment and causes the water to be cloudy. Okay, uh, one of the places that I love to go and have been many, many times is Lake McKenzie. We love going out to Lake McKenzie. I know many of you do also. And uh, I love going to Lake McKenzie during the middle of the week. You can go out there on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, even a Thursday. I've been out there many times, like on a Monday afternoon, and literally be the only boat on the lake. Literally. There's not another person out there on the lake, and you have the entire lake to yourself. Now, by Monday, the water has cleared up. It's amazing. Now, that water's not clear like the Caribbean, of course. It's kind of got a green tint. But after that water has settled from the weekend, it's amazing how clear it is. You can jump in, and you can see see your toes and see your feet. And throughout the week, the water gets clearer and clearer because it's not been troubled. Now, what happens? Well, Friday rolls around, Saturday rolls around, Sunday rolls around, and everybody's out there swimming, everybody's on the lake, everybody's out there on their boats, everybody's fishing, and what does it do? It clouds the water. And then, of course, you can't see your feet, you can't see your toes, and the more people that are out there, the cloudier it gets because the more troubled it is. But then when everybody goes home on Sunday afternoon, by Monday afternoon, it's usually pretty clear because it's not troubled. Now think about it for a minute. Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let the winds of adversity stir up your heart 
and make it cloudy and make it troubled. Don't do that. Don't allow that to happen. As the winds of adversity blow, as troubles come, which they're going to do, Allow your heart to stay clear. Allow it to stay settled. Allow it to stay pure. Let not your heart be troubled. Here's why. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, he was talking to some Jewish boys, and these Jewish boys absolutely believed in God, but they were trying to figure out who Jesus was, and it wasn't always that easy. He says, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house. Now, I love this. You and I are sitting in God's house. Now, we've talked about this many times before, but it's important. We built this building, poured the concrete. We anointed it with oil. We designated it as holy. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart. Do you know that when you got saved, God designated you as holy? Now, don't miss this. Holy's not something you do. It's a position you live in. Are you with me? Okay? It's not something you earn or something you deserve. When you receive Christ as your Savior, God set you apart, and that made you holy. Okay, this building has been dedicated and set apart for God's purpose, and that makes this building holy. Now, we know God doesn't live here. He lives in our hearts. He doesn't stay here when we leave and go make coffee and make a pallet and make a bed. He doesn't do that. We know that. It's silly to even think that. He dwells on the inside of us, but we've designated this as holy. God said in his house, what house? The house in heaven the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. In my house are many mansions. See, this is the little house of God, but you and I are gonna be in the big house of God, and in the big house of God are many mansions. Does anybody in here like getting on the internet and looking at houses? Man, I've got some women in my family that do, and when they're not around, I sneak and do it some too. You know how you can get on websites and you can look at homes and some of them are beautiful and amazing. Listen, God has a house, a home for you in heaven. Are you with me? Then what did he say? He said, if it weren't so, I would have told you. Now let me keep reading. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, God told Noah, hey, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth, and I'm going to judge the sin on the earth, and every living thing except you and your family are going to die in that judgment, and I want you to build a boat. So I can just imagine Noah heading down to the hardware store and ordering some nails and some screws, and he probably put in a pretty big order, and when he's checking out, there had to be some guys hanging out in there. Anytime I go in our lumber yard, there's guys hanging out in there. Isn't that true? There's always somebody in there that wants to know what you're doing. And they said, hey, Noah, what are you doing, man? What are you doing with all these nails and screws? He said, well, I've been talking to God, and he said that he's going to flood the earth, and all of y'all are going to die. And he told me to build a boat and that he was going to save me and my family. And you know what they did? They laughed him to scorn. Isaiah wrote and said that a king was coming. A child would be born. 
a Messiah would come. No, now he's not coming for hundreds of years. Oh, but he's coming. You know what they did? Well, they laughed him to scorn. Years ago, I used to live in Amarillo, and I worked at the Amarillo Globe News. And one day I was at work. Now, Vicki and I haven't met yet. We're not married, but I threw newspapers when I was a kid. And then as I got older, I got a job, and I went down and worked at the newspaper every day. And I don't remember the setting, but we started talking about the rapture. We started talking about Jesus coming for the church. And I knew about the rapture. I knew Jesus is my Savior. Now, I wasn't living a perfect life, but I, I knew and so we were talking about the rapture, and I spoke up, and I said, well, I believe Jesus is coming. I, I believe Jesus is going to return. And one of the guys that worked there mocked me, and he said, oh, man, everybody needs a rapture. And he made fun of me. Now, they mocked Noah. They mocked Isaiah. Uh, they mocked Jesus, and they mocked me. Now, I just want to ask you a question. Okay, did the flood come? Yeah, it did. Yeah, did the Messiah come? Yes, he did. Is Jesus coming back? Yes, he is. He hasn't yet, but he is. Now think about it. I was thinking about this today. What's it going to be like when we're past the rapture? Now here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come for the church. And he's going to bring the saints from heaven with him. And if you and I are here and alive, we're going to be caught up together in the air with the saints. And the Bible says we're going to forever be with the Lord. Then after that, we're going to be at a party. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's going to be a seven-year party. And while that's going on, the judgment of God is going to be on the earth. And it's called the tribulation. So there's going to be a heavenly party and an earthly tribulation. Then at the end of that tribulation, the devil and the beast are going to be cast into the lake of fire, which the Bible calls the second death. And Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years right here on this planet. And it's called the millennial reign of Christ. Jesus is going to sit upon his glorious throne He's going to make all things new. And when he sits on that throne, it's the throne of his father, David, and a prophecy that's thousands of years old will be fulfilled, and you and I will be there to see it. Now, here's what I've been thinking. What's it going to be like to be past the rapture, past the tribulation, past the marriage supper of the Lamb. And those events have already happened. Can you imagine with me in your mind? Can you just let your imagination kind of run and just imagine what, you know, all the things we're struggling with, all the things we're dealing with. You know, I had to go to the doctor today for a six-month checkup. Everything was fine. But the whole two days before I went, what am I doing? Well, I'm worrying. I'm worried what they're going to tell me. Oh, man, pastor, oh, my gosh. Your whatchamajigit is going to have to come out. Your what, we, we've been looking at your whatchamajigit for a couple of months, and we've decided the numbers are way bad, and we're going to have to get it out of there. Well, I worried. Now, I know that's kind of silly, and you've probably got things a lot more serious than that, and thank God I was fine. But the point is, what's it going to be like when that's all done? Jesus said he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. 
What's it going to be like for us to be able to brandy, to, to see, oh, man, you remember the rapture? Wasn't that amazing? Man, remember the marriage supper of the Lamb? I mean, I partied my face off. And then Jesus sitting on his glorious throne. And now here we are in the millennial reign of Christ. And, 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 I, and I don't have a sin nature. And the Bible says that when I see Jesus, when you see Jesus, we'll be like him. What's that going to be like? Because see, right now, I'm looking forward to the return of Christ. But listen, all of God's promises are true. And the majority have got, of God's promises have come true. Now listen to me. Let me read it to you one more time. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again, and I will receive you to myself. Listen, church, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. What he told Noah was true. What he told Isaiah was true. What Jesus said was true. What he's saying here is true. He's coming back. Listen, you and I are going to have glorified, resurrected bodies. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more tears except the tears of joy. And we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. It says in Revelation, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And we will reign with him forever and ever. That's what Jesus said right here. Let me keep reading. That where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I love this. I absolutely love this. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. We don't know how to get there. And Jesus said a very famous statement that lots of us know. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Now, you've heard me talk about this before probably, but I so love this. I got to just talk about it again. I want to encourage you. Okay, listen, they weren't talking doctrine. They were two men asking directions. Do you know what Thomas asked Jesus? Hey, how do I get to where you're going? Jesus said, you know where I'm going. Thomas said, no, I don't. I don't know how to get where you're going. I have no idea where you're going. Now think about it for a minute. What did Jesus tell Pilate? He said, if my kingdom was of this world, we'd fight. But it's not of this world. Do you understand that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is existing right now? Uh, we sing a song in Power Kids, and we did it just last night, and it says Jesus is alive right now. And the kids just sing it from the top of their lungs. Some of you in here are volunteers. You heard them last night. And they, they shout it to the top of their lungs. Jesus is alive right now. Okay, listen, heaven is a real place right now. The people that I know, people you know, people you love, people I love are there right now. They're very much alive. I believe they're more alive than we are. Jesus is there. God the Father is there. And it's happening right now. Here's the thing. But it's in a different dimension. So here's what Jesus says. He says, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. <clears throat> and you know how to get there. 
And Thomas said, Lord, uh, I barely know how to get down the block, much less how to find your place that's in another dimension. He asks directions. Lord, how do I get there? And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Now, let's take a minute and talk about one of the criticisms of Christianity. One of the criticisms that people can make about Christianity that are not Christians is this. Well, you guys all believe there's only one way to God. Y'all all believe that, you know, you're, you, I got to believe like you do. And if I don't believe like you do, then I'm not going to heaven. I mean, you, you guys have created this exclusive religious experience. And if I'm not a part of what you're doing, if I don't believe like you believe, then I'm on the outside looking in. And that's one of the criticisms of Christianity. And I want to help you with that right now. Listen, the gospel, there's nothing more inclusive than the gospel. I had a young man in Power Kids last night. Power Kids, children. I had a young child come up to me last night. And he said, Pastor, you're going to love this. He said, Pastor, what's the word gospel mean? I kind of was caught back for a moment. I said, what does the word gospel mean? He said, yeah, what does it mean? He was being serious. A fifth grader, a fifth grader. I said, well, it means good news. And then I explained to him, you see, God sent his only son to the cross to die for our sins, even though we were separated from God and that now we can be restored to God and we'll spend eternity with him forever. That's good good news. And he went, oh, and he was already a Christian. He already knew Christ as his Savior. But to the best of my ability, I explained it to him. That's good news. What's good news? The good news is that you and I are going to be with Christ forever, for all of eternity. Now, 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 now listen to me. L let me keep reading. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Listen, the good news message of the gospel is for anybody and everybody. Amen? For the whole world. For God so loved the world. But if you make the decision to receive Christ, you step into the kingdom. If you don't make the decision to receive Christ, you're outside the kingdom. So the gospel, which is incredibly inclusive, once you decide, it becomes very exclusive. Are you with me? What did Jesus say? He said, hey, if you'll stick close to me, you'll end up where I'm at. That's what he said. Thomas said, hey, Lord, I don't know where you're going. I don't know how to get there. Could you, could, could you write down some directions for me? Yeah, you know, you go down here, <clears throat> Go down here to the Alsops. Okay, turn left. Okay, now do I turn left right after the Alsops or right before? You know how easy it is to get lost? Okay, you remember when people would give you directions, you're trying to find someplace, and you're deciding where to turn and how to turn and what to do? It's so easy to get lost. Jesus says, hey, you know where I'm going. Thomas says, no, I don't. Give me some direction. And Jesus makes this simple statement, I'm the way. I'm the way. I, I'm, I'm the way. So all you got to do 
and stick close to me. Just stick close to me. If you'll stick close to me, you'll end up where I'm going. Now, let's finish this. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And then he makes an exclusive statement. No one comes to the Father except by me. I have a yard. No, no, it's not a yard sign. It's a highway sign, a street sign. Now, I didn't steal it. I don't know where I, don't know where I got it, all right? But it's a, it's a highway sign, and it says one way. And we use it in Power Kids all the time. We used it last night. And I have one of the children come up, and I hold up that sign, and it says one way, and I ask them to explain, what does that mean? And we talked about it enough that they know what it means. It means there's one way to heaven, and it's Jesus Christ. And we kind of play a little bit of a game. I'll say, well, now hold it. <clears throat> Aren't there different ways to heaven? And they'll say, oh, no, Pastor, there's not different ways to heaven. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. And then I'll say, well, I, maybe being good will get me to heaven. And they know better because we've taught them. And, they, and they'll say, oh, no, Pastor, no, you can't be good and get to heaven. The only way to get to heaven is no Jesus is your Savior. And we've talked about it, and we've talked about it, and they know the answers. And Jesus himself said it right here in John 14. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And the only way to the Father is by me. Now, what we just looked at tonight is good news. Amen? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I can't wait to see my mansion. I can't wait to come hang out in your mansion. Well, now, Pastor, I don't know if we're going to have an actual mansion or not. Well, that's what he said. Did, did he not? And he said, if it wasn't true, I'd tell you. So I'm believing I have one. Amen? Mine has a really nice swimming pool. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Would you close your eyes with me? <clears throat> Father God, thank you tonight. Father, I love John 14. I love the message of John 14. And Father God, I thank you that you stirred our heart tonight with the truth of your word. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you that I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be troubled because you're gonna take care of us. Lord, I love you. I'm so grateful for your love and for your faithfulness in our lives. And that we do have a home in heaven. We are going to end up there. We are going to be with you. And we're going to reign with you for all of eternity. Lord, I love you and I thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise God.